This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. I don't know if this is an everyman sort of thing or just a Finkbeiner man sort of thing, so you guys are going to have to tell me. But I uh, love driving, being the one driving always the one driving. And I know it's a Finkbeiner man thing because I have a twin brother, and when it's my brother and my dad and I and our families, even when there were only six of us, us and our wives, we would try to take three cars wherever we went so each of us could drive, and we would volley for position who would be leading the charge. It's kind of a rite of passage for us. I don't know. Is that, is that just a Finkbeiner thing, or are all men like that? All men are like that. I love driving. And it's not that Maria's a bad driver. It's that I am a really bad passenger. I'm that guy who's holding on to the bar. I'm pressing the imaginary brake on my foot. Uh, I'm telling her, hey, it's like you're driving the Autopia because you're driving over the bicycle lane line, right? I'm, I'm that guy who says, you got to move over. You're terrifying me. And then we get into a disagreement about what good driving really is. And I know she is a better driver than me, so she has just acquiesced the driver's seat to me. In a few weeks, we're going down to Southern California for a wedding, and it's a seven-hour drive, and we're going to leave after uh, work one day. And I want to drive the entire thing. I don't care if it takes 2 a.m., I want to be the one driving, with one notable exception. I hate driving in San Francisco. I hate it. And it's not because of other drivers. Other drivers are fine. I don't have road rage. I don't mind. I don't mind sitting behind someone who doesn't notice the light has turned green. I just enjoy time to sit there for a few minutes. I don't honk. It drives me crazy. I just sit there and enjoy it. I hate driving in San Francisco because I'm the guy that you are honking at. I'm the guy that in your mind, you're doing all sorts of gestures and things to that you would never do if you knew it was your pastor in front of you. I'm the guy who's turning the wrong way down a one-way street. I always get lost in San Francisco. It is like an impossible maze that I can't figure out. And so I hate driving in San Francisco. But all that changed this Christmas when my parents got me a GPS system. I love the GPS system. If you don't know what a GPS system is, Uh, It is a uh, guidance system that gets you to your destination. Welcome to 2011. It's a good year. We're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, And they gave me a GPS system, and it's a a lady with a lovely voice. She's become a good friend of mine. I punch in my direction. She says, turn left in 300 yards. Turn right in 200 feet. You are now going the wrong way down a one-way street. You should turn around. (laughs) But she's very soothing She's very relaxing, and you know what? She always sees more than I see when it comes to driving. She always knows more than I know, and assuming that I follow her, she always gets me to the right destination. We're starting a new series this week called Beyond GPS, because as good as a GPS system is for knowing more than we know and seeing more than we see and getting us to the right destination, God has designed life in a way that he would show us his will, show us his plan, and guide us to the plans and the paths that he has for us. Because the truth is, God knows more than we know. God sees more than we see. And if we follow him, I mean really follow him, actively follow him, he will always get us to the correct destination And so this series is really all about, you see it up on the screens, knowing and doing the will of God. It's not just enough to know God's will and to know God's plan, although many of us struggle to do that. How do I know what God's will is, what God's direction is? And so we're going to talk about that. But this series is really all about knowing and doing the will of God, because those two are linked. And if we want to experience a life of passion— If we want to experience a life of purpose, a life where God is guiding and leading us, a life where our our families are experiencing the kind of uh, 
amazing, incredible relationships that they can and should be, to where our jobs are more than punching a clock, to where our ministries at church are more than just checking in once a month, but there's something that gives life to us. If we want to do that, we have to know God's plan, and then we have to live it out with excitement and joy. And the truth is, God wants to reveal his plan to us. The key verse that we're going to look at over the next month comes from James chapter 1, verse 5, and it says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, if you don't know which direction to go, you should ask God. God gives generously to all without finding fault. And what you ask will be given to you. The truth is God wants to reveal his will to you. Do you want to know God's will for your life? Not a rhetorical question. Do you want to know God's will for your life? You do. Okay, good, because God wants to show it to you. And guess what? God won't even get angry when you ask him. Look at what the verse says. He will give generously without finding fault. So he says, do you want to know my will? Ask me. I will give you wisdom. I will give you insight. The Bible says that God will show us great and marvelous things beyond anything we can imagine or believe. If we just ask and follow. See, some of us have this picture that God is some sadistic kid playing hide-and-seek with his will. He doesn't want us to know. He takes us down a path and then leaves us high and dry, but that is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible wants to reveal his will to you. He wants to show you where he's taking you. He wants you to have a life where you're connected with him, where you're engaged with him, and where you are experiencing life, where you say, I know I am doing what God called me to do. I'm in God's will. I'm following his path. And so the challenge for us this series is are you ready and willing to do God's will as he shows it to you? We're going to spend the next four weeks talking about what it means to go beyond GPS, that God is revealing his will to us so that we can do it. And the question for us is, am I willing to do God's will? For the sake of this series, I want to define God's will like this. It's the direction that I would choose for my life if I could see things from God's perspective. So if I could see things the way that God sees them, if I could see the totality of life, not just my life, but all of human existence, God's will is the direction that I would choose. And that's what we want to do. We want to choose the life that God would have for us if we could see things from his perspective. And there are always multiple choices when we come to talking about following God. They're pretty self-explanatory. They're pretty easy. Will I do things God's way? Will we invite him into our lives? The Bible says that if we invite God to live in our lives, he sends his Holy Spirit to dwell within us, and his Holy Spirit leads us to truth. It guides us. It directs us. It shows us the path we shouldn't take, and the Holy Spirit shows us the path that we should take. So will we seek guidance from him? Will we invite him into our lives, and will we follow when he leads? Or the other option is we can ignore God and go on our own way. And both have consequences. The consequences of following God are that you will have an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe, the one who knits you together, who knows you, your good and your bad, and loves you more than you could ever imagine, the one who is redeeming and restoring your life, the one who is drawing you to himself, the one who one day you will spend eternity with. We can have an intimate relationship with him. We can experience healing in our lives if we choose God's way. We can experience healing in relationships if we choose God's way. We can have purpose and passion and direction if we choose God's way. It is not always easy, but it's always right. And I know that for a fact because James, the author who wrote that passage we just looked at, is writing to a church who's experiencing some what I would call mid-level persecution. 
They're not being killed for their faith, but these Christians are doing God's will, are following God, and some of them are losing their jobs because of it. Some of them are being kicked out of the, uh, the idols' temples, so they can't be in community with other idol worshipers, which is where you would have uh, your big commerce, your big trade areas. Some of them are being kicked out of their families. They're experiencing some mid-level persecution. Really, they're experiencing about the most persecution that we experience in the United States. No one here obviously has been killed for your faith or else you wouldn't be here or we would be freaking out. But some of us may have lost our jobs because we were following God. Some of us may have uh, been disowned by our families because we're following God. Some of us, because we're following God, means that we can't go into certain establishments that we used to go into where all of our friends go. And so we experience some mid-level persecution. Following God is not always easy, but I can guarantee it's always right. Because James says throughout this book, throughout the book of James, do the will of God. Know it and follow it. And there's still going to be pain sometimes, and I don't want to sugarcoat this. We know this to be true and real. There is still a broken world that we live in. There's still tragedy. Sometimes unthinkable things still happen to good people. But in the midst of it, if we follow God, he'll bring healing in our lives in an incredible way, and he will make himself very known to us. And sometimes he'll do miracles to, uh, to help us avoid the pain. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes we have to go through it, but it's always better to go through it with God. Or we can choose to walk on our own. And that brings separation from God, distance from God. You can come to church every Sunday and still be distant from God if you're not living in his will, if you're not doing the things he's called you to do. Where you feel like, you know what, I pray and I don't hear anything. I read my Bible, nothing. I go to my life group, nothing. I come to church, nothing. That life is not the life that God wants for you. He wants an incredible life for you. So for the rest of this morning, I'm going to talk about three things that we must do if we want to hear God's voice. We're going to talk about hearing God's voice today, about knowing his will, and then we're going to talk about doing his will as we continue on, and what is his will, and, and what's the direction for that. But these are three things you must do. And I want to be clear, these are three things that we must do. Not three things that we should do, not three things that are a good idea to do, not three things, you know what, if you have some extra time, it might be fun to do them. These are three things that we have to do if we want to hear from God. I don't know how else to say it. These are things that must be done. I talk to people from time to time, and they say, I want an intimate relationship with God. I want this life that you're talking about, that it seems like you have. But I just don't feel it. And I can tell you, it's because you're not doing the things that would open the door for God to move in your life. God wants to move. That's his great desire, that you would know him in an incredible way if you open the door. So the first thing that we must do, we must decide to actively listen to God each day. Decide to actively listen to God each day. Look what Deuteronomy chapter 3 says. The author says, You should follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. Now when he says listen to his voice, it's the idea that we listen only to God's voice. That God's voice is the dominant theme. In this ancient writing, what he was saying was, Follow God only. Listen to him only. There are a ton of voices in the world. Listen to God's voice. That will lead you to the path of truth. And it says, cling to him. Grab to him. Like a child who's drowning in the water, grabbing to a parent. Grab on tight. Hold on and don't ever let go. Last week I shared with you uh, briefly, and I had some comments about this, and people really took it to heart. 
the gods of I feel and I think. Do you remember the gods of I feel and I think if you were here last week? The God of I feel says, whatever I feel like doing, that's the right thing to do. And the God of I think says the same thing. If I think that's what I should do, then I should do it. I've been thinking more about this. Do you realize that if we all followed the God of I feel or the God of I think every day of our lives, I would guess that 95% of us would be in prison right now? I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm serious. Think about it. You would at least have a ruined life, a wrecked life, broken marriage, broken relationship with your kids. You probably would have been fired from every job you've ever been a part of. Think about it. If every time you felt like saying something to your boss, you just said it, would any of you have a job? No, you could serve in the church full time. Nobody would have a job. We'd have to meet in a parking lot somewhere because none of us would have any money either, but none of us would be able to, uh, to work. What if you acted on every feeling you had towards your spouse? You just said everything you felt all the time. How would your marriage be right now? What about the God of I think? Have you ever found yourself daydreaming and all of a sudden your mind has gone down a path and you think, man, if my kids knew what was on my mind right now, I would be incredibly embarrassed. If my wife knew what I was thinking or my husband knew what I was thinking right now, it would mean some major conversations and most likely some major marriage counseling. The gods of I think and I feel, uh, we like to say I am an intelligent being, I am an enlightened being, and I just follow my feelings and my thoughts. But the Bible says the heart is deceptive. The Bible says that our thoughts can actually lead us away from God, which is why Paul says we need to take every thought captive for Christ. Everything that we think needs to go through the filter. Is this something that God would do? Is this something that God would have for me? Because the gods of I think and I feel are dangerous. Sometimes people say to me, you know what, Kevin, I I hear what you're saying, and we've talked about hearing God's voice before, but I pray and I just don't hear it. You ever had that experience? You pray and you just don't hear God's voice. You just, you read your Bible and nothing comes out at you. Nothing jumps out at you. It's just kind of words on a page. I had a good friend growing up named Mark Morzoff. Mark was an incredible friend to have for a few reasons. One, he was huge. He was the captain of the varsity football team. And when you're a guy like me, it's good to have a guy like him on your side. And two, he turned 16 a full seven months before I did. He was the first of all my friends to turn 16. And Mark had a fantastic 1970s Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. It was a sweet ride. Two bench seats, so we could fit eight, nine guys in there. You know, when you were driving, when you got fast enough, it felt like you were just floating on a cushion of air, right? And this was before uh, the days when you had got your license and had to drive with your parents or a brother or sister for the first year. So you turn 16, you pile all your friends in the car, and you turn up that radio and go for it. There was one problem with Mark's Oldsmobile. Mark's Oldsmobile only had a radio, and it only played at AM music. And it only got one station. Disney Radio. <laughs> so here we would go. Me and my buddies throwing on our Letterman's jackets, cruising down the mean streets of Southern California, and bumping a whole new world. A new fantastic point of view. But we needed music, because that's what you do when you're in high school. You have music, so we just went for it. So we're rocking out, you know, we're having a good time. And then all of a sudden, he'd hit a bump, or someone's knee would hit the knob. There were two knobs, on, off, and the tuner. They'd hit the knob, and it would go over to the other side. And all you hear was white noise. So we'd hurry, get the music back. Hurry, our, our anthem, it's, it's going past. And so, and then you go past, and okay, get it back. And you had like a millimeter where you found your tune. And now I'm in a hole. Yeah, that's my jam. We're giving high fives. We're having a good time. It was awesome. 
Now, A Whole New World, our anthem, was always on the radio. It was always playing. The problem was we were not always tuned in to the right frequency. See, once we tuned our radio into the right frequency, we picked up that incredible song. I know you're going to be singing that all day because it is really, it's fantastic. (laughs) Friends, God is always talking to you. The question is, are you tuned in to the right frequency? See, he can be talking all day long, but if you're not tuned into the right frequency, you're not going to hear him. So how do we tune in? How do we connect with God? How do we get to the right frequency? Well, there are a few ways that we can tune into God. The first is direct revelation. By direct revelation, I mean the Bible and only the Bible as the word of God, which guides us towards God's will, towards God's path, towards God's plan for our lives and for the world. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Do we have any Amy Grant fans in the room, by the way? Amy Grant was my first concert. I don't know why my parents took me to an Amy Grant concert. And she sang that song, Thy Word is a Lamp to My Feet. I've sung once. I'm not going to subject you to that again. But whenever I read Psalm 119, I just hear it in Amy Grant's voice. It's fantastic. But he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There are some interesting things about a lamp and a light. One, you don't need them if you already know the path. You only need a light if it's dark outside and you don't know where to go. Think of like a lantern. The Bible says cling to God's word. Cling to God only. Don't take your own path. Realize that without God, you are completely lost. But God wants to show you the way. The other thing about a lamp is it only lights a certain distance. It doesn't go all the way down a path. It just gives you the next few feet. And that's how God really reveals his will to us oftentimes. He gives us the next few feet. Here's the next right choice to make. Here's the next decision. Sometimes he gives us a general, I want you to go this way, but within this path, there are various turns to make. And he gives those to us one step at a time. And I think he does this to us for a couple reasons. One, because God is gracious to us. And if he revealed every day of our lives, I think that most of us would have a mental breakdown. I really do. Think about it. If God told you what every day of your life was going to be like, the goods, which would be fantastic, and the bads. This is when your uh, child would have a car accident. This is when your loved one would die. Wouldn't you spend your whole life just worrying about those days, trying to change those days? That's why Jesus says, you know what? Worry about the troubles of today because today's worries are enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just worry about today. So he gives us the next few steps because if he gave us the whole thing, I don't think we'd be able to survive. We could not stand up under that. And God gives us the next few steps because he wants us to cling to him. Remember, Deuteronomy says cling to God. He wants to ensure that we're with him every day, that we're connecting with him on a regular basis, that we are uh, talking to him and hearing from him, and that we have a life marked with deep connection with our creator. Not just that we get a set of instructions and then go on our own and do it for the next 20 years, but that every day is a journey with God which is why I'm so excited about where we're going as a church this fall. We're going to do something that we've never done before. It's called a New Testament Challenge. And this fall, starting in late September, as a church, we are going to give you the opportunity to read through or listen through the entire New Testament in 12 weeks. Do you want to know God's will? 
you know, read through the New Testament. We're going to give you an MP3 so you can listen to it on your way to work. We're going to give you a reading plan that we just created this week so that you can read through 15 minutes a day, five days a week. You can read the entire New Testament. You can know the story of Jesus deeply. You can know the story of the early church through the New Testament in an incredible way. So we're going to do that this fall, and it's going to be really fantastic if we choose to engage with him. I think, like I said last week, this is really a next step for our church. I really think God wants us to be a church that knows his word inside and out, backwards and forwards, and the New Testament challenge is going to be fantastic. But it's not just something you're doing on your own. As a church, all of our sermons for that time period are going to be around the teachings of the New Testament. We're going to be walking with you on this, and all of our life groups are going to be focused on the New Testament challenge. So you're going to get together with your life group, and you're going to talk about the things that you're reading in group. It's going to be really fantastic. And I want to tell you, I want, and I know I've said this before, but I can't stress it enough. I want every person in our church to be in a life group this fall. I mean every person, because I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you. I really don't. I don't want you to be left behind. I want you to walk in this community, with this community, because our life groups are going to be the key place to say, hey, I had this spiritual breakthrough. God showed me this thing as I was reading through the New Testament that really changed my life. Life groups are going to be the place where you say, you know what, I don't understand what this is saying. Help me understand, and your group will be able to talk with you through that, and you can ask questions and get answers. Or you can say, you know what, I don't agree with this, but Kevin told me that I shouldn't follow the God if I think, so I want to agree with it. I want to say yes to what God says yes to. Show me what this means, and your group can guide you in that conversation. It's going to be great. What that means, though, is that we need a lot more groups. Right now we have 18 groups. We probably need 25 to 30 groups to be able to hold our entire church in life groups. Groups of 12 to 15 people who are engaging with God. And we're going to have men's groups doing this together, women's groups doing this together. We'll have married groups doing it together, 20-somethings groups. We'll have a ton of open groups. I'm actually talking to the staff team about having all of our youth ministry uh, do these small groups as well, kind of in community groups as well, and life groups as well. It's going to be great, but we need leaders. So here's the question for you. Have you been kicking that idea around? thinking, oh, maybe I could lead someday. Friends, I can tell you, someday is the enemy of today. Someday is the thing that we say when we know we won't really do it. Someday I'll get my finances in order. Someday I'll work on my relationship with that friend. Someday I'll start to serve. What does that do? It takes away the power of today. Enough somedays and we die with regret, and God wants us to live in today. So I want to ask you, have you considered it? And if you haven't, will you take the challenge to consider facilitating a New Testament challenge group this fall? If you've never led before, this is the perfect time. We're going to give you all the questions to ask your group. We're going to give you a syllabus of the reading plan so you know which questions to ask on which week. We're going to give you a mentor to walk with you through this. We're going to give you an incredible service opportunity in late October that we're going to do in our community that's going to blow your mind. We're going to give you party ideas. We're going to literally set the whole thing up for you. All you have to do is be a follower of Christ, be excited about what God is doing in your life, be excited about what God's doing in the church, and be able to read a piece of paper and ask some questions and help form a conversation. I'm going to give you a chance later this morning to sign up to uh, talk with me about being a leader. So be thinking about that because I really think it's going to be great. So God gives us direct revelation. That's how we tune into him. We need to be reading our Bible. Don't wait until late September to start reading your Bible. Start doing it today. And then God gives us daily guidance. He gives us direct revelation through the Scripture, and He gives us daily guidance through the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit, through prayer, and through other Christians speaking the things of God into our lives. And all of these things happen 
in life groups. The Holy Spirit speaks. We pray and we invite other Christians to speak into our lives. But they happen in other places too. They happen here on Sunday morning. They happen out there in the lobby. They happen as you get coffee with a friend. Now I put these in this order for a reason. And I want to be very clear about this. The Bible is God's word. And those other three, that daily guidance, the Holy Spirit speaking, prayer, and a friend, will never contradict the Bible. So for example, if you say the Holy Spirit has told me that I should go and I should murder someone, no, that wasn't the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says, do not murder. Or if a friend says to you, you know what, I've been praying for you, and God told me you should have an affair. No, that is not God, because God tells you to be faithful to one wife for your entire life. Those three are subject to the, the Scripture. They'll never contradict it. If it's really God speaking to you, giving you daily guidance, it will not go against what God says in His Word. And so we use God's Word as our marker but we can use these other things for daily guidance. That's how we tune in to God. The second thing we must do if we want to hear God's voice, we must decide to act quickly on what God says. And I really think this is the number one reason that we don't hear from God. It's because we're unwilling to obey when God speaks. Friends, I want to tell you something that I found to be true in my life. You will not grow until you go. You will not grow in hearing from God's voice. You will not grow in your relationship with him until you take steps of faith to do the things that God has told you to do. For example, if God is telling you, if you're single in here and God's, uh, you're praying about finding someone and you find some guy and he asks you out on a date and he seems great and you, you ask God, is this the right guy for me? And you find out, you know what? God says he's not the right guy for you. But you say, I'm just going to date him anyway because he's so nice and he loves me and he bought me flowers. God will not continue to speak to you in that direction because you have ignored him and you've closed the door for him to speak. You've got to get things right with him. You have to do the things that he says. When you take a step, he shows you the next step. Remember, his word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. So we can't refuse to obey God. By the way, this is why I've been pushing baptism so hard for the last couple of weeks. Jesus says baptism is the first step of obedience after you become a follower of Jesus. There are two great reasons to get baptized. The first is because it is an incredibly intimate way to identify with Jesus in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. And the second reason why I tell everyone to get baptized is because it is the first act of obedience that God calls you to do. He sent his disciples out to draw people to proclaim the good news and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Friend, if you have not been baptized and you're a follower of Jesus, he's calling you today. One, it will be incredible. And two, it's an act of obedience. Open the door by obeying so that God can speak into your life even more. Next Sunday, we're going to have a baptism service. We're going to have worship and a message, and then we're going to have an extended time of worship and open up the water for anyone to come and be baptized. I would love to see you get baptized next week. Come on down. Get baptized. It's going to be an incredible time. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just listen and deceive yourselves. Do what God says. One of the most dangerous things that I think we could do as we get into this New Testament challenge in the fall is that we could be knowers of the word, be hearers of God's word, and not be doers of God's word. I believe that one of the great advantages of getting into the New Testament challenge is that it opens the door for us to be people who are passionately experience God whose lives are marked by him in radical ways, who live for whatever God says to do. And that's what he wants. He wants us to hear and respond in action. 
but we can't just be hearers of the word only or else it will close the door. And the last thing we need to do is we need to admit our complete dependence on God. Our absolute, complete, total dependence on God. See, the GPS gives you a choice. It gives you the directions. It tells you how to get where you need to go. But it's only as good as you following it, as you depending on it. If it says turn right here, and you say, you know what, I just feel like I should turn left there. It just makes more sense to me. You're going to get lost. That's just the way that it goes. You need to depend on your GPS. And you know what? We need to depend on God completely. What good is God's will for our lives? What good is God's uh, spoken word in the Bible for our lives? What good is the Holy Spirit in our lives if we take what he says and we don't depend on him, even when we don't understand what he's saying, even when it doesn't make sense to us? What good is it? It's no good at all. This weekend, we celebrate the 4th of July. And man, the more I watch CNN, the more I watch affairs around the world, the more thankful I am that I live in this country where we do have great freedoms. And so we celebrate Independence Day. And that's a good thing. Have fun. Go crazy. Be safe. Be sane. I have a fire department right next to my house, and that's the little sign they have there. Be safe and sane on 4th of July. I really like it. Be safe and sane. But celebrate your independence. At the same time, realize that as a Christian, you're called to the exact opposite. You're called to dependence. Complete dependence. Total dependence. Independence leaves our vocabulary when we become followers of Jesus. My own way, my own path just leaves any idea, any option when I become a follower of Jesus. When Maria and I first got married, we made a commitment. We said, you know what? The word divorce will never cross our lips. Once we get married, that's it. Till death do us part. We will not speak that word. Once we become Christians, the word independence leaves our vocabulary. It cannot cross our lips. We have to completely depend on God if we want to hear his voice. So I have a prayer, and I'm going to call this the Beyond GPS prayer. It's a prayer that Jesus prayed, and it simply says, Not my will, but your will be done. That's not a passive prayer. It is an incredibly active prayer because it says, God, whatever you say to do, whenever you say to do it, wherever you say to go, I'll go. Not my plans, not my will. Sure, I have ideas about what I want to do, but not my will. Would your will be done in my life? Jesus prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before he was crucified. He was in incredible torment. He knew the plans that God had for him to go to the cross, for him to die, to bring about the forgiveness of our sins, to draw us back in relationship with God the Father. But he was wrestling with it. And he said, God, if there's any way that this cup can be taken from me. Would you take it? Is there any other way for this to happen? But if it's not, not my will, but your will be done in my life. And God revealed his will to Jesus. He said, you're going to go to the cross. You're going to die. You're going to raise from the dead. You're going to draw all of humanity back to yourself, back to me. And Jesus did it. Knowing the steps that it would take, knowing the incredible pain, He was beaten beyond recognition. He was nailed to a cross. It was a gruesome thing. But he said, God, I depend on you completely. I know that you will do incredible things as I follow you. We're going to go into a time of communion this morning. And as you can see, we're doing it a little different. We've placed communion tables around the auditorium. And I did this for a reason, because I want us to get up and walk to where God is. 
take communion. As an act of saying, God, not my will. I know for a lot of you, to stand up right now when I ask you to do it is going to be incredibly intimidating. Because you like your seat. Your seat is warm. Your seat is comfortable. You know the person sitting on your right or your left. But I'm going to ask us to get up. And the reason I'm doing it is because I want this prayer, not my will, but your will be done, to be the prayer that marks us for this next month and beyond. If you're here this morning and you don't feel comfortable taking communion, uh, whether you have not ever come into a relationship with Jesus or you just, for whatever reason, don't feel comfortable doing it, all I would ask is that you let folks who are taking communion just slide past you. I guarantee they are not going to think anything because most of them are going to be so nervous to have to get up on their own. They won't be thinking about you. They're going to think that you're thinking something about them. Guaranteed. But if you choose not to take communion, I would just ask that you would reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus that he really did die on a cross and that God really did raise him from the dead because God loves you so much and he wants to have a relationship with you. He broke the power of sin, of death, of destruction. He took the penalty for your sin onto himself so that you could come to him in an intimate relationship. Maybe today's your moment where you say, you know what, I do want to have a relationship with you, Jesus. I want to know you completely. Would you come and would you guide me on this life? And if that's your time, I would ask during this time of communion that you would pray that. And ask God to come and guide you on this journey and then take communion with us. Once you've come and you've received the elements, you can go back to your seat and you can take communion uh, with the people next to you if you want to. You can pray together. You can take it with some friends or with your spouse. Or you can just take it silently by yourself. You can go to the back corners. You can spread out wherever you want. In a few minutes, the worship team will gather back together and we're going to go into a time of worship. So as you hear the worship uh, come back on, you can continue your communion time and then engage with God in worship. But right now, would you join me as we pray and then let's take communion together. Lord, we really do want what you want for our lives. We want what you want for our church. We want what you want for this community. And we are saying today that whatever it takes, wherever you send us, wherever you want us to go, if you would just show us your will, and we know that you, you will do that, we'll follow. We'll go. We'll have those conversations that you want us to have with people to invite them to come and experience you. We will restore those broken relationships that we know you want us to restore to open the door for you to speak into our lives. We will begin to act on the things that you've already shown us because we don't want to block your voice. We want to tune into your frequency. We want our lives to be marked by you. We want to depend on you completely today. Holy Spirit, would you give us the strength to do that? And Lord, as we come to take communion, we remember your sacrifice that your body was broken and your blood was poured out to take the penalty for our sin. Jesus, we remember your prayer that you said, not my will, God, but your will be done. And we're so grateful that you did. Thank you for loving us enough that you came to earth, that you showed us what it means to live in relationship with God the Father, that you died for us, and that you're drawing us to yourself even now. We pray these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. The great gift of God is that his grace has fallen and that God is here. And as we wait for him, as we seek his path, seek his plan, uh, seek to know his will, he will reveal it to us. And the question is, will we go? Will we act? And that's the challenge for us this month and beyond is, will we act? Hey, Ron asked you earlier to fill out that Start Here card, and now's when we're going to use it. So make sure you grab that card, and on the back side of it, it says, I would like to apply today's teachings by, and it gives you a whole bunch of ways to apply today's message. 
Remember, we are going to be doers of the word and not just hearers. We're going to be people who act when God calls us to act. So uh, make sure your name and email address is on here. If you're a first-time guest, when you drop this in the baskets in just a little bit, would you go out to the Connect kiosk? We have a gift we want to give you for coming and joining us today, if you would just drop this in. But a few ways you can apply today's message. And mark any of these that apply so we can be praying for you and partnering with you. The first one is, I'm going to read and memorize James 1.5. Remember, that's the scripture that says, if we lack wisdom, we can ask God and he will freely give it to us. We need to know that truth. So I want you to memorize that and then pray that beyond GPS prayer five times. God, not my will, but your will be done. And ask God, what is your will? Both in general for my life and then specifically for these next steps. The second thing you can do to apply today's message is is say, I'm going to come each Sunday for this Beyond GPS series. I want to know what God is doing. So I'm going to commit right now for the next three Sundays. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be engaging with God in worship. I'm going to be engaging with him through the teachings and in our community. The third thing you can do right now, which is really fun, is I'm going to commit to join a New Testament Challenge life group this fall. And if you mark that today, I will be sending you an email a week before all of the life groups open up so you can, can get into one, I'm going to send you an email early so that you can get into a group before anybody else. Because the truth is, sometimes those groups fill on our first Sunday, even in the first service. So you want to make sure that you get into the group you want. Like I said, we'll still have men's groups and women's groups and marriage groups and 20-somethings groups and, and uh, open groups. And so it's just a matter of which group you're going to be in as we all study the same thing. So make sure you sign up now. Uh, really, it's not even something you have to think about. You want to be following God. We're telling you this is the best way to do it. So sign up for a group. So mark that now. And then the next one is, I want more information about facilitating a New Testament Challenge life group this fall. If you mark that, I'll connect with you this week, and I'll get you that information, and we can talk about what it could look like. If you're already a leader and you know you want to lead this fall, mark that. If you're not a leader right now and you want to lead this fall, or you're considering it or you have questions about it, would you mark it? It's going to be an incredible time, and I guarantee you will engage more with God leading the group than you will being in the group. So make sure you mark that. And then finally, uh, I'm choosing to become a first-time follower of Jesus today. Today I'm making the decision to give my life over to God because I want him to lead me. If you made that decision today, or if you want to make that decision, would you mark that card so we can connect with you? We can give you some ways to guide you on this journey. Uh, We are going to pray now for... uh, First, uh, Petaluma Valley Baptist Church, because they are partners with us in ministry, and we pray each week for a different church. Uh, But before we do that, and before we receive the offering, which we're going to do in just a minute, uh, I want to tell you about a few other things you can mark. Baptism is coming up, so you can mark that on your card that you'd like to get baptized, and we can give you some information about that. Mark that on your card. Also, uh, next Sunday, we have our day at the park. We're going to be watching the two New Life softball teams play. There's going to be a bounce house. There's going to be food. The goal of that day is just to cheer on the teams, to get to know some new people, to bring our kids to something that's going to be really fun and exciting and just have a great time. So festivities start at 3 o'clock, and uh, you can get more information by marking uh, your card. But make sure you sign up. Make sure you come to that. Okay, we're going to be receiving the offering. If you came prepared to give, you can go ahead and pull that out now. You can use the envelopes in your programs to do that. Would you join me as we pray? Uh, Lord, first off, we want to thank you for all the churches in Petaluma. We know we're not the only one. We know that you're encountering us here. We know that you're in this place, and we're so thankful for that. And we recognize that you are moving in a number of churches in unique ways to draw people that we might not be able to draw in to you, to draw those people to you. Petaluma Valley Baptist is one of those. We're thankful for Tom and the whole staff team there, and we pray that you would fill them with an extra amount of your blessing and your Holy Spirit today as they worship you and connect with you and engage with you. 
We also ask, Lord, as we begin this new month, that you would take this offering that we give, this money that we give, and that you would use it to draw people to yourself, to continue this ministry that you've called us to at New Life, and to really open the door wide for people to come into this place and encounter you and experience you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So go ahead and just drop those cards in the basket, drop that offering in the basket. Uh, And while it's being passed, I do want to give you a little heads up about next Sunday. It's going to be a fantastic time where, like I said, we're going to have some worship and the message and then baptisms. If you have not marked that you want to get baptized, but you you decide this week, I really do want to get baptized, here's some things to know. You're going to want to wear dark clothes uh, and you're going to want to bring a towel with you. Other than that, you know, make sure you take your phone out of your pocket before you get baptized because it will go down to death. It will not raise to new life. So... Make sure you take your phone out of your pocket. It's going to be an incredible time. We'll have the message. We'll have communion. We'll have baptisms. I can tell you uh, it is an intimate time between you and God, and it is really the first step of obedience. So if you've never been baptized, you can mark that on your card, or you can just come to get baptized on Sunday. And I promise you, uh, you're not going to want to miss next Sunday. Bring your friends. They're not going to want to miss it. We had people here last time we did an open baptism. We had foreign exchange students from Eastern Europe. They got baptized. We had a guy who'd never been to church before. He came. He got baptized. It was an incredible time. I think we had 20 people get baptized uh, the last time we did one of these open baptism services. And so we're going to open it up again. And I want to see God move in incredible ways. And I know you do too. So get ready for that. Uh, with that, I want to close with a a prayer of blessing over you. So this might be new for some of you, but what I'd like you to do is stand up and then just put your hands out like this in a way to symbolically receive a blessing. And I'm going to pray a blessing from God. So if you feel comfortable doing that, would you just lift your hands, palms up, so that I can uh, pray for you now. Lord Jesus, you promise in your word that we can ask you for wisdom, ask you for guidance, ask you what your plans are, and that you will respond. And we're standing on that promise today and this month, Lord. We've asked, so would you speak to each of my friends? Would you show them both your general will, your general guidance for their lives, and then specific next steps for them this week as they follow after you, as they get into the word, as they listen to your spirit, as they pray, as they talk with other Christians? Would you be speaking in very tangible, very real ways? And would you give each of my friends here the courage to take those steps of action when you show them what you want them to do? I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.